It's not futile. It's not futile to serve God. What have we gained by keeping his requirements and walking mournfully before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the arrogant blessed. Not only do evildoers prosper, they even test God and escape. At that time, those who feared the Lord spoke of one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So the scroll of remembrance was written before, before him regarding those who feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on that day when I prepare my treasured possession, and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, those who serve God and those who do not. Surely the day is coming, it will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. When the law of my, remember the law of my servant Moses, the decree and the laws I gave him at Horeb, another name for Sinai, for all Israel. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Serving God, it is futile, they said. Serving God, serving God. This is a big theme of this passage. Is it futile to serve God? Is it? Verse 14, it is futile to serve God. Verse 17, like a man who spares his son who serves him. Verse 18, those who serve God and those who do not. Serving God. Is that futile or is it not? That's an important question. Uh, a thing to keep in the mind, in our minds, is in the original word for service and worship were actually the same thing. Uh, avodah. It could be used as, as a basis for uh, our word for worship or used for service. So worship and work. Very similar in Hebrew thinking. And uh, a thing that troubles us, that's hard for us to get, is that our worship can actually be pretty easy for some of us, for a lot of us. We can click on a computer mouse on our favorite worship session in our favorite onesie on our favorite uh, couch, and we're kind of worshiping, kind of. <laughs> but old-style Hebrew worship was not that. It was tough. You know, it was often bloody. It involved uh, animal sacrifice. involved getting to a place by foot or by animal. Is it futile to serve God, to worship God? And I uh, just want to acknowledge again our worship team and Warren. He was, Warren was here all afternoon and uh, Shara as well yesterday. Um, 
In our, we've been working through uh, Malachi, using body parts, uh, feet and, and, uh, and mouths and uh, heart. Well, today's is shoulder for service. And uh, obedience is, is way more than just thinking the right stuff. It's, just, it's not just cognitive. It's not just the brain. It involves the shoulder, work. And we kind of know that intuitively, don't we? When we come to the Lord, we want to actually express that. We want to do something for him. I remember uh, Mick Duncan. He came and spoke here. He came to the Lord from a, a, a hippie, druggy background, and he said he came to church and he gave his heart to the Lord, and he says, oh, um, what can I do? And the pastor says, well, actually, you, you can do something. Uh, on our Sunday night service, we need someone to shut the windows afterwards. Could you do that? He said, yep, I can do that. And he did that for years, <laughs> shutting the windows after the service. Now, someone can do that today if they want. <laughs> Serve, and uh, you can we can lose that, eh? That desire to serve the Lord. Let's get it back. Let's rebuild. Let's serve the Lord again. Let's worship the Lord again. And the people of Malachi's time, they had lost it. But how how do we get to service? I want to suggest three things from this passage. Firstly, to serve, we need to get beyond ourselves. Get beyond ourselves. Verse 14, they said, it's futile. There's no profit. It's closer to the original. There's no cut, actually. So that's to do with, in the original, has um, woven cloth like a carpet. And they're saying, where is our cut, God? And they take a cut as part of their profit. Where's our cut, God, in serving you? What's in it for us? Now, strangely, I found that quite comforting because often, because often we think, oh, you know, consumer Christianity of our day, that's terrible. Well, it's not about just our day. It's about hearts, human hearts. Human hearts are the same in every generation. And we can be all about us, whatever generation we come from. And is it futile to serve the Lord? Well, it's not, but we need to get beyond ourselves. Second thing, serve. We need to get beyond short-term thinking. Because what they could see was only the here and now. Verse 14, they could see that the righteous are unrewarded. And verse 15, that the wicked are unpunished. Right now, that's what they could see. The righteous are unrewarded and the wicked are unpunished. And you know what? Sometimes that's true. That... It seems like the wicked and the godless, they got it sweet. <laughs> and the good, well, some bad things happen to good people. But that's in the short term, that might be true. But in the long term, there's a different picture. And they were stuck in the moment, stuck in their short-term thinking, stuck in the here and now. And they could not see the big picture of God at work through history and their part in that. And Malachi says, look way back and remember Moses and his law, the word of God, and look forward to Elijah. Well, hang on, hadn't Elijah already been? Well, yes, but 
part of Malachi is foretelling the return of an Elijah-type figure, John the Baptist. And the Gospels are quite explicit that John the Baptist was an Elijah-type figure that heralded the day of the Lord. In fact, Luke 1, um, the angel speaks to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, uh, and says, John will go out in the power, uh, Luke 1 verse 17, go out in the power and spirit of Elijah. You know, John even dressed like Elijah. He wore animal hair and a leather belt. And so the people were confused because in Jesus' time they say, you know, the teachers say Elijah is supposed to come. And Jesus says, yes, he has come. John the Baptist has come. So the day of the Lord is here. The day of the Lord of Jesus is here. And he's coming back. And so Christians for uh, 2,000 years, they've seen Malachi 4 as part of the prophesying of the coming of Jesus. Malachi 4, verse 1, Surely the day is coming. Uh, the day is coming. And so let's, let's be careful of just short-term thinking because the day of the Lord has come and will come again so let's be patient. The day of the Lord is coming again. And I've just read a book by a gay activist uh, who came to the Lord, and I forget the name of it. Oh, and it's called um, something like The War of Loves. Uh, from Sydney, uh, came out to his parents as gay at the age of 14, came to the Lord in a Sydney pub at the age of 19. And he said there was this war of loves. And um, his same-sex attraction did not go away. And he battled uh, with that and, and loved the Lord, had met God, knew God was real, knew God was love, loved him. Uh, but he's come to this position that he needs to uh, remain in a position of chastity. His same-sex attraction has not gone away but he knows God is real and that this discomfort that he presently feels, and it's come from both sectors, from the rainbow community at times, from the church at times, and he says, but this is only a blip in terms of eternity. And Jesus is coming back and he loves me. And so I'm in this position of discomfort, but it's only short term in terms of eternity. So we're waiting, we're waiting, and we're not just about the short term, we're about the long term. Stay focused, and with the delay of the second coming of Jesus, that's not easy, the hard, it's hard, the waiting, stay focused, serve the Lord, don't get caught in short term thinking, think long term, verse 16 and 17 of chapter 3, a scroll written with the names of remembrance, they will be mine. They will be my treasured possession, says the Lord. Amen. Get beyond short-term thinking. Get beyond ourselves, serve, and get beyond the surface impressions. Verse 14 says, We go about darkly, the people of Malachi's time said. Uh, blackly, it says in the original. We go around like mourners dressed like mourners, and we look like mourners. We're sad. 
We look sad. And, and, and the godless, they look happy. <laughs> Get the impression that the godless, they got it sweet. And so there's this, these surface impressions, the way it looked. We need to get beyond that. We need to get deeper than that. I remember reading an article of heroin addicts and, and um, heroin sellers on streets of Sydney. And um, they said to the interviewer, you know what? We look happy, but we're not. <laughs> we need to get beyond surface impressions. And the Pharisees of Jesus' time, Jesus criticized them as hypocrites. The original for that word means play actors. They were acting. Uh, not so much that the Pharisees were, had an attention to detail, but they were acting out. They were giving impressions. They were going for the optics, the way things looked. And the huge temptation is to go for the look. Uh, the Pharisees looked miserable on purpose when they fasted. They wore these clothes with things called tassels, so to look religious. And uh, an, another uh, way of looking, going for the optics, was Judas, John chapter 12, when um, Jesus was anointed with expensive perfume. Judas says, shouldn't that have been sold and the money given to the poor? You know, saying the speech about a poor, that's a good look, isn't it? <laughs> always is uh, but it says this not that Judas cared about the poor so it was a look it was a pose it was an impression but it wasn't what was deep down inside and so to serve we need to get beyond the look beyond the impression need to get beyond short term thinking of here and now we need to get beyond ourselves, what's in it for me? And we need to get behind the purposes of God. Get our shoulders behind the purposes of God. And passive was not good enough. Passive is not good enough. In rugby, there's a penalty, rugby union, called uh, not rolling away. And you can get, be in the wrong position, either as a tackler or being tackled, and you're on the wrong side. And that's not uh, a sin in itself. The sin is not rolling away. Staying there in the wrong position. And being passive is not good enough. In fact, Malachi says passive is actually passive aggressive. You are opposing God in your passivity. Psalm 2 verse 12 says, Kiss the son lest he be angry. Kiss the son lest he be angry. And they had in Malachi's time a passive theology. Their ideas about God that is not connected to the action and the community of faith. That's more than passive, that's passive aggressive. That's, that's opposing God. Remember my law, Malachi 4, verse 4. Remember my law given to Moses at Horeb, at Sinai. Remember means obey it. The parable of the king and the ten minutes, Luke chapter 19, 11 uh, to 27. The king 
the actually the the ruler to start with. He goes away. He's going away to an overseas land to receive a kingship, and he gives out some money to ten. We only know about uh, three of them actually. He gives um, one coin to each, and uh, two of them do really well. One makes a thousand percent increase on it. One makes five hundred percent. One does nothing. <laughs> that gets taken and given to the one that makes a thousand percent. But there are these others. As part of that, as a ruler went away, they sent a delegation and said, "We don't want you to rule over us." The ruler comes back. Don't read this to your kids uh, at bedtime. By the way, it doesn't. It's not a not a bedtime story. The ruler comes back and he says, "Bring those." those ones who oppose me in front of me and uh, execute them in front of me now. See, uh, passive is passive-aggressive, actually. Be careful of that. The arrogant and evildoers will be stubble, 4 verse 1. And that day is coming, they'll be set on fire. Uh, modern day people, we don't like punishment. We don't like in the Bible about punishment and judgment, but it's there. It's there. We can't dodge it. It's there. But serving produces blessing. So get behind the purposes, the worship of God. Good, good news now. <laughs> Malachi 4 verse 2. But... For you who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays. You know, after all our rain, wasn't that sun so healing to get out in the sun? <laughs> and you will go and frolic like well-fed calves let out of the stall. Back to the original question, our original question. Is it futile to serve God? Is it futile to serve? No, it's not. No, it's not. It's like... 4 verse 2, see the sun after days of rain with healing in its rays. It's not futile, it's worthwhile. It's not futile, it's worthwhile to serve the Lord. And you'll go out and frolic like well-fed cars let out of the store. It's frolicking good to serve the Lord. Amen. Who revere my name, they'll be like cars released from the store. It's not just vertical alignment, uh, parents and children, uh, 4 verse 6, hearts of fathers to their children. It's all fulfilled in Jesus, all fulfilled in Jesus, the power and the majesty of the returning Jesus, the joy and splendor of him as he returns for his beautiful bride prepared for him. And so choose to be chosen. This is our challenge today. Choose to be chosen. Choose to serve the Lord. Choose to worship the Lord. And you'll, you'll be frolickers in the sun. Amen. Amen.